0: Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Bucher. Rick Bucher.
1: Welcome to another episode of Bucher Friendless, subsidiary of Bucher and Friends and part of the United WeCast Network. I'm Rick Bucher. You can see me on FS1. You can uh, read me on Bleacher Report. You can hear me on radio.com and a variety of intercom. Terrestrial Stations, and you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Bucher and on Instagram at Rick underscore Buecher. All right, this is being recorded on Thanksgiving Eve, after uh, my return home from the Bulls-Warriors game, and there's a lot to get into, considering this is a holiday weekend, and we're still very early in the NBA season. And I'm basically recording this for you because, one, having been to a game, it's always hard for me to go to sleep immediately afterward. And two, I want to give you something, probably driving around a lot this weekend, whether you're heading to Black Friday, visiting family, I want to wish you all a uh, happy and safe holiday. But I figure you might be in the car or transportation somehow, some way, and need something to listen to, and have a number of things that I want to get to and spend that some of that time with you allow you to use that time productively even if you're multitasking it's the beauty of podcasts you can get something real done while you're listening to me now i am going to get to some uh some of the bigger topics some of the topics that uh, those that i work with in the industry would say you got to get to the, the the big meaty ones don't don't go small because you're limiting your audience and so I am going to get to that. But this is also, for the most part, a, a basketball NBA podcast. That's what you guys know me for, for the most part. And so uh, I'm going to speak to the the basketball, the hoops junkies out there. Because you may be asking, why would I go to a Golden State Warriors-Chicago Bulls game on the night before Thanksgiving? What what would possibly attract me to that since I have the wherewithal to go to whichever games I want to go to and not go to games? I don't have to go. I'm not a beat writer, so I'm not compelled to go to any particular games. I can go to games that have some significance. But this is the beauty of the NBA and for those who follow it and where those who believe that the load management and stars not playing and all of that. Well, uh, I do... Believe that that can negatively affect the competitive balance. And working a story, working on a story about that that very thing. There are so many storylines going on in the NBA. If you truly follow the league and follow teams, that even and I'm not joking, like tonight between the Bulls and the Warriors, in the universes of those respective teams, this was a big game. This for the Warriors, being right now the, the worst team in the league and not by accident. this was one of those games where they had to look at being at home, going into the holiday. this was a chance this was a game that they could win. This was a game to get a little bit of a, a bump for the uh, young players. I mean just no matter who you are, it feels good to win every now and then and I don't believe it's any accident that Steve Kerr saw this as an opportunity to win. Draymond Green being one of the lone holdovers from their championship teams and not playing every night. Uh, Steve broke him out tonight, and I don't believe that's by accident. It was, we got a chance to win this, and Draymond gives us an even better chance to win this. I'm going to utilize him in this particular game. On the Bulls' side of things... They have high or higher expectations than they've had uh, in a couple of years. They have a young team. They have some promising talent, but they've struggled out of the gate, 6-12 and 12 coming in. They had to look at this game as a game that they should win and needed to win with them headed to Portland next to play the Trailblazers, a team that just beat them on their home floor decidedly. So this was an important game for them. And this is these are the kind of in-between games uh, or the subplots that, to me, give meaning in one way or another in a variety of ways to every NBA game if you are tuned into them. Not necessarily that I want to write about every one of them or talk about every one, but I'm just giving you an example. The other part for me, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, is that I'm all about convenience. So, This being a holiday weekend and the Warriors having two games this week at home means that I don't have to fight the same sort of crazy traffic, uh, rush hour traffic in the Bay Area that I normally would to get to the arena. So even more reason for me to be able to zip in and get there early and less fuss and it's just one more reason for me to go and check in with people and for me and my job, being at the arena allows me to see and run into a lot of people that I, I couldn't track down by phone. Uh, I, I get a lot of conversations. I get a lot of information as a result. The Me telling you that Steph Curry's injury was worse than thought and there's a, a very good possibility that he will not play this season. That was not something that I was hunting for. I simply happened to be at the arena and staying there late after the game and ended up talking to some people who uh, disclosed the reality of, of his situation. So, as an example. But it's also just convenient. Anytime I can, I can get a lot done and in less time, I'm, I'm probably going to go. And the other part uh, for me to be tr- uh, truthful is uh, growing up in Cincinnati, uh, Chicago, probably the nearest NBA town uh, and so, I've always had a soft spot for the Chicago Bulls. If there was any team that I considered kind of my hometown team, not that I ever thought I had one, but it would be it would be the Bulls. So, uh, I one more reason why I would go see the Bulls from my Midwestern roots playing the Warriors, where I've lived for most of the last twenty plus years. All right, so with all that said, um, the there was a couple other games tonight that also had meaning. Obviously, Lakers going back to New Orleans for the first time since Anthony Davis left the Pelicans. It was dealt to the trader, uh, dealt to the traders, dealt to the Lakers. No Freudian slip there. And the Celtics beating the Nets with Kyrie Irving a wall. Those are meaningful. In, in the 82 games, a lot other things have to happen. But those are positives. Those are positives in the locker room in the same way that beating the Bulls was a positive for the Warriors and quite honestly, a letdown for the Bulls being on the road together and starting off with uh, this kind of loss. So as you may know, Kyrie Irving, and this is where we get to the meteor subjects. Kyrie Irving posted on Instagram. Uh, obviously, he was jeered heavily in, uh, in Boston for that game, even in, in his absence. He wasn't there, but the crowd uh, made it clear that they wished that he was to let him know how they felt about him leaving and heading to Brooklyn and the disappointment of last season. Anyway, Kyrie posted a, uh, a note on Instagram and I'm going to read some of it for you and then we'll, we'll get into it. But uh, he says, It happens all the time. And tonight just shows how sports slash entertainment will always be ignorant and obtrusive. It's one big show that means very, very little in the real world that most people live in because there are actually things that matter going on within it. Like figuring out a life that means more to you than a damn ball going into a hoop, or learning how to grow up being in a fishbowl of a society based on your popularity level as a person, or even dealing with becoming the leader of your family after someone's passing and not knowing how to deal with life after it happens. But this game of sports entertainment matters more than someone's mental health and well-being, right? All right, I'm going to stop there. He goes on, uh, but I think that's, you get the gist of it. And I often, I, you may know this, I have a media training company. I often work with athletes and executives uh, in a variety of sports. And one of my general points is most topics are too complex have too much depth to be treated accurately or fairly on social media. They're just, you shouldn't try because it's too nuanced. There's there's just, you're not going to get it done. Especially on Twitter, but Instagram, same thing. And here's the thing with Kyrie's post. I, I mean, I can boil down what he said, which is sometimes... We take sports and the people in them too seriously. That's it. That's it. Give give sports more meaning than they actually deserve in the big scheme of things. And I agree with him. But here's where Kyrie's complaint shows that for all the thought and emotion he put into his IG post, uh, he came up a little short on the introspection. Because both Kyrie and myself owe our jobs to the people who take sports too seriously. And he and I both have a simple choice. If we don't like the way the sport is being run, we can either work with the powers that be That, and when it comes to professional sports. We can work with them to change what it is that we don't like. Or we can pursue another line of work. This is essentially why I got off the Colin Kaepernick train. I was with him at the beginning. Social justice, uh, the abuse of minorities, uh, police brutality, those were all issues that I thought were worth examining and bringing to the fore and forcing us as a society to look at. And for all his missteps, I thought, you know what? Those topics are too important to get lost in how Colin was approaching them. And I don't, honestly, and I've talked about this in a previous podcast, I don't know that he really knew what he was stepping into. And I still don't know if he fully understands the position he put himself in because he has not handled it well. But when he he participated or indicated that he was willing to participate in a tryout to get back into the league. I thought, okay, he he really just wants to play football and he's going to find a way to work on social justice and some of his other pursuits in conjunction with that. But he understands that if he wants to play in the NFL, he's got to play by the NFL rules. Don't I have no problem with him wanting to play football again. But apparently that wasn't what he wanted to do. He wanted to take one more shot or he wanted to do what essentially Kyrie is doing here, which is to say, I've been mistreated, this isn't fair, and I blame all of you. You know, the world is not fair to me. The NFL is not fair to me. Uh, In Kyrie's case, the NBA and its broadcast partners are not fair to me. Now, sorry for the pause, but Kyrie Irving signed a four-year, $141 million contract to play for the Brooklyn Nets, to play basketball in the NBA. He, uh, at the end of this contract, will have made uh, a total of $232 million. He's already made $91 million in his career. I think that might be including this year's, Salary, but nonetheless, that's a lot of money. And I don't begrudge anybody making money. And I I will never say that the uh, NBA players are overpaid. They're not. I don't begrudge them the money they're making. But I also am not going to feel sorry for someone who signs a contract that makes them that wealthy and it requires a scrutiny and the price of celebrity and public criticism. That comes that's that's part of the deal. And that should come as no surprise to Kyrie. Just as the same scrutiny and criticism that I receive on social media, listeners, viewers, whatever it may be, I know it's part of the it's part of the deal. I don't like it. Uh, I don't think it's fair, but I keep it in context. Those people don't really know who I am. So how serious should I take that criticism? Not very. Unless there's something there that is legit, and then I need to take a look at it, and I need to make changes. So that has been my approach. And believe it or not, there's some times where The criticism is just, or I, upon reflection, decide, you know what? I need to do things a different way, or I need to, it's a, it's a mea culpa. I'm about to get, actually, I'm about to get to one of those in this podcast. It happens. And I am more than willing to admit when I get something wrong, but because, let's be clear on this, because you disagree with me does not mean that I'm wrong. And because you don't understand where and what I've learned, uh, I try to share as much as I can as to why I have the opinions I have or the perspective or the insight. Because I just don't get it from myself. I get it from people in the league. I get it from observing things myself. I get it from a base of knowledge. I know some of you like to think that we in the media make things up
0: Let's get this dinner party started.
1: Anybody who truly does. Now, they may not vet it well, and they may take information that is, if you really thought about it, you, gotta, you haven't considered with the motivation of the person telling you, there's a way to, to suss out, like, should I be going with this or not? That does take some due diligence. But I've, I haven't met anybody who has just made something up made a quote up made a source up maybe it happens I don't it's really not necessary because you can find someone in the league if you're looking for a certain viewpoint you can find somebody who's going to feed it to you in the form of a sourced quote that's the reality don't have to make it up but I digress I just, this is sad for me with Kyrie because, man, is he a talent. And he's also seemingly a lost soul, not unlike Colin Kaepernick. And I appreciate that the subject of mental health and the pressures that are upon athletes and celebrities, performers, especially with social media, it's good it's more intrusive than ever before. Uh, then again, it is for everybody in this society. I've, I feel for kids going to school and the omnipresence of social media and their being judged on a daily basis and having that in their faces and it being difficult to escape. I didn't grow up with that. And I'm grateful that I didn't. So everybody's dealing with this. Just not everybody's getting paid $232 million to deal with it. It comes with the territory. It's not not one of the better lights of our society that we think that we can just unilaterally be vicious with public figures. But I don't know that that's going to change. The only thing I can control is what I do. So... That would be my small piece of advice to Kyrie, and on some level, I'm sure, hopefully, someone closer to him is telling him that. I don't know that he's going to hear it from this podcast or be listening to this podcast. But you happen to know Kyrie, and you do listen to this podcast, pass that along. All right. So uh, as for the Mia culpa, man, this is what's this is the worst part of this, is when you have to give a mea culpa on something that you said just <laughs> in the last couple days. Uh, when I was on the uh, Pals from radio.com and we were talking about, I was asked basically Luca or Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's my MVP. And I said in short order that I was team Luca. This was the morning before the Mavs played the Clippers and the Clippers basically demonstrated why I think they're, without question, the best team in the league. And they also demonstrated the limitations of Luka Doncic. Made it painfully clear. First of all, the fact is they exploited him at the defensive end. That's one thing that he does not have yet and i don't know how good of a defensive player he ultimately is going to be he's sort of in that steph curry camp of one and and the early lebron james or at various points in lebron james's career where could be a better defender but he's asked to do so much offensively we give him a little bit of a pass that's where giannis is different giannis has to give you defense because giannis for all that he does still has limitations as an offensive player in terms of orchestrating and creating for everybody else. He's a dynamo offensively, no question. But Luca, like Steph, the amount of mental energy and physical exertion, not only to get theirs, but to make sure that everybody else is getting theirs and that all of it is working in concert, that is, it's something that Giannis, I'm sure, is striving for and something that LeBron James has now obviously perfected. But it's, uh, in any event, it's Giannis isn't there. So he's got to rebound. He's got to defend. He's got to do, he's got to utilize his physical gifts because the, I don't I'll say the, the mental aspect of the game, but the orchestration of the game, he's still figuring out how to fully do that, and develop the skills that will allow him to do that. All that said, if uh, the, the appropriate answer probably should have been uh, MVP, Luka, or Giannis LeBron. At least at this stage of the season. What he's doing at both ends of the floor is... Pretty damn impressive, and he has is orchestrating that team. He's utilizing the pieces that he's been given. He's finally been given pieces that are that are that he's able to take advantage of. You need veterans. You need guys that can play off of him. Uh, young guys, he's going to struggle because he's really out there, kind of making it up as he goes along, making decisions as he goes along, and you be you have to be able to. Uh, react and adjust and adapt to his whatever he's doing on a possession-by-possession basis. I'm not saying that Luka isn't an MVP candidate. I'm just, in my conversation about it, I did not take into account the fact that Luka really is a force at one end of the floor. And both Giannis and LeBron can claim being forces at both ends. And that has to be taken into consideration. So uh, I loved what the Clippers did. Clippers basically said, we're going to make you work for everything. We'll send you to the line, but physically we're going to beat you up and we're going to attack you at the other end. We are going to wear you out because guess what? You don't have a Robin. You don't have enough around you that if we make the game really, really hard for you at both ends that there's somebody else who's going to pick up the slack. I saw the conversation. can't remember where it was. Maybe it was on... It was... I think it was during the broadcast on NBA TV. And the question was, who can be the third star for the Dallas Mavericks? As if this... This, this uh, you know, the core three is still a model that is required. As if the Toronto Raptors didn't destroy that idea by winning the championship last year. Because you tell me who their their core three is, I'll wait. I'm not even sure the big three applied to the Golden State Warriors when you think about it. I mean Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, it was their depth and versatility. And then they had a big four. And that overcame the fact that they were Short on that depth, but the big three sounds good and it's, it's simple, a little too simple. So, but when it comes to the Dallas Mavericks, you're asking who the third is going to be, and they were suggesting maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. could be the third. Uh, they don't have a second. Kristaps Porzingis has not proved that he's a number two on a contending team. So, and if he, if he had or if he could. Uh, the game against Clippers would have been an ideal time to demonstrate that, because they were wearing Luca out. One of the other things that uh, I've seen of late when it comes to the NBA, and it's really been a, a reflection of watching. Saw the Oklahoma Oklahoma City Thunder play three times live in the last couple weeks against the Lakers, the Clippers and the Warriors. And it well, put it this way. I'm concerned about the big men in the league, no matter how no matter how good they are. Uh Steven Adams, Jonas Valanciunas, Joel Embiid, who we just saw go the 0 for eleven and scoreless. And uh, Lowry Markinen with the Chicago Bulls. The, the, the speed of the game, the agility in the game. If you're a big and you can't roll to the rim, I mean, this is essentially the dynamic. And I think it's one of the things that the Chicago Bulls are struggling with and why Daniel Gafford made such a splash uh, brought up from the G League. Why he made an immediate impact is because he's, he's a rim runner he can roll to it and bulls still have some issues. But without that, if you're wondering why the bulls are getting to the rim as much as they are and not making shots, uh, there's some analytics out there that say that they're one of the top teams and actually getting to the rim or shots at the rim, but one of the worst at actually finishing them. I believe there's two reasons for that. One, they're getting way too deep. And so the defense is collapsing on them completely. Uh, The guards, that is, the driving guards. And two, they don't have any relief of a big man roller that when the defense collapse on them, they can throw it up at the rim and somebody can go up and get it and crush it. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr., not that kind of player. Lowry Markinen, for sure, not that kind of player. Thaddeus Young, maybe kind of, but his role... I'm not sure what, what his role is at this point with the Bulls. So, uh, that is is one of the reasons. But you you need to have that. And I'm looking across the board at guys that are still good players. Or at least feel like they're good players. Steven Adams, Valanchunas, certainly Joel Embiid. But un- if, if you get behind in the game, uh, in any game, as with the Sixers the other night, it's really difficult to slow your pace to the point where you can get that big man involved because it takes multiple touches. And the game, the way it's being played now, I mean, it's one or two passes at the most, and a shot is going up. No one's playing with the deliberate style that is required to take full advantage of guys that can get down on the block and grind their way to the hoop just not the way the game is being played so I I wonder look there's always going to be a value to having guys who can set screens uh, big strong physical guys who can set screens and actually ran into Zaza Pachulia who's now working for the Warriors and he took note of what's happened to each team that he's left (laughs) something we may get into more later there there's a certain value a a, a great value maybe an underappreciated value and bigs who can set screens who know where to be who can knock a guy down now and then but i think you have to be really careful with your price point on those on those players i don't know that they can be in the top four or five contracts on a particular on a particular team and that's looking at the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, the investment they made in both Joel Embiid and Al Horford moving forward, that's that's going to be interesting. All right, before we we uh, say goodbye and uh, wrap this up, I do want to get to something that I'm hearing from both the Clippers and the Lakers, which gives you a reflection of why they are so good and why they're only going to get better. their heads are in the right place. Now defending in the league in this day and age is really, really difficult. You have a young set of referees. they do not seem to have any discretion between younger players, older players. It's we're going to call it the same for everybody as closely as we can. Um, you know most most fans aren't going to adjo- object to that. But it's also making it very difficult to defend in general. Uh, Clippers and the Lakers in particular uh, seem to be demonstrating that they're in the... I think the Lakers have the best defensive efficiency in the league right now. Although it's also a reflection of they play at a slower pace. So that helps. But this is what bodes well for those two teams really putting a chokehold on the rest of the league and only getting better is the fact that for all their star power, both Paul George and LeBron James have talked about how their respective teams take so much pride in playing defense and that that's where they are hanging their hat. Now there's, there's a number of teams in the league that should take that approach and they don't. The fact that the Lakers and War and Clippers have the offensive ability that they do, and yet their focus is we need to do it at the defensive end. That needs to be our priority is is why there's a very good chance that obviously depends on what the seeding is, but would not be surprised at all if the Western Conference finals wind up being a battle between the two teams in LA. All right, that does it for this episode of Buker Friendless. As noted, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. Uh, someone came up to me at the game tonight, said they appreciated the, the podcast. Always love hearing from you, what we're doing well, what we could do better. Uh, if you Wherever you get your, your podcast, iTunes or wherever, please uh, rate and review the show. And if you'd like us to do something for you, screenshot that review and send it to at Buker friends, and we have a couple of autographed uh, books that uh, we'd be happy to send you one by Derek Rose and uh, one by the one that I wrote with uh, Yao Ming and you will have your choice as to which one you would like us to send you alright that does it I want to wish, again, all of you a safe and happy Thanksgiving. I hope you get a chance to spend it with your loved ones. Next podcast, we'll be catching up with Ryan Hollins, and we'll continue to break down the NBA. As always, thanks for listening.